Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Candidly with Coffee. Welcome back. We're back. Yes, we are. Just like that. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. It's Halloween. It doesn't feel like it, man. No. At all. I wonder if anyone else out there is feeling this way. It's nothing. Not our neighborhood. No Halloween. I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll when we drive around today. We'll see. You know what we should do when we when we take a drive to go to the grocery store. I know what you want to do. You go. You say. I, I think we should drive through the Rose Garden neighborhood. I feeling is that, did you were you nice. going to guess correctly? Yeah, yeah. Because I was going to say that or Willow Glen. They yeah, but I like the Rose Garden, like over by Orange Theory, that mm-hmm. neighborhood. Like, I want to see what they did. I want to see if they have like decorations yeah. and stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, are, I, I, we should buy a bag of candy maybe today. Yeah, sure. For Why some trick or treaters. I don't know. Last year we didn't get that many. This is weird. My, so weird. My friend in Tennessee, he said they're big in the spirit over there in Nashville. Oh, really? That's what he told me. Wow. I bet the houses go all out. They're big houses, big porches too. I love neighbor. Yes. That's why I want to go to the Rose Garden neighborhood. I love neighborhoods where there's a lot of homes with porches. I love yes. a porch. I'm glad we have a porch. Yeah, we're lucky. Um, but I like a porch and I like when, and I, you know, people decorate it. I'm not like we do. We don't yes. really do that. But like I said, I'm just struggling to get into any kind of spirit this year. It's weird. It's tough, huh? Yeah, it's just, it's really hard. I'm trying. It's like I tried in the September. I put up like a few decorations and stuff to get in the mood. It was, must have been a day I was feeling pretty good. Yeah. If I hadn't have done it then, I would have probably not done it at all. And I don't know. I'm in a hard time. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Even like starting to see the Christmas decorations out, I'm like, oh. I mentioned yesterday to Lisa, I'm like, I'm thinking about, I was contemplating not even putting up my Christmas tree. And she's like, you can't do that. Like your mom would be so upset. And that, that is true. I swear to you, if I hadn't have had that conversation with my mom where I promised her, I would so easily just like not do a damn thing for Christmas. Well, you promised you'd put up the tree? I promised her I would put up the lights outside specifically. Uh-huh. And she always used to like my tree up, not not even my tree up. She always wanted me to put it up like her before Thanksgiving. So I always did. Mm. And she would call me and say, Janine, do you have your tree up? Is it nice? You know, she would just. That's so sweet. And she would. So she made you promise her before she left. Yeah. And then because she would always love you know, because they're her house, so she would love when we put up, like, the Christmas lights. And she would say, like, oh, Nobby's going to go put up the lights on the house. and The little things in life, huh? Yeah. So, anyways, uh, I'm kind of, it's like, uh, I'm kind of dreading it, but I know I have to do it because I'm going to feel guilty if I don't. Yeah. And then I'm going to regret it, and then it's going to get close to Christmas, and I'm going to be, like, in a rush to do it. So I will do it. You do a good job, though, decorating the tree, making it look nice, you know? I know. The thought of it, though, even has me like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we went to um, the Friends Experience in San Francisco. Yes, we did. Um, and you guys nerded out. I loved Friends. I know. It's your show. Like, I wa- not yeah. only did I watch Friends, um, and I'm talking about the show, you guys, the sitcom Friends. Yes. Um, not only did I watch Friends the first run, like, I was into it. Like, so all the years before when I was younger and before I had kids, before I was married. And then it ended, I think when, um, Alyssa was a baby, it ended. Um, so you're saying like 20 years ago. Oh yeah. It ended like 20 years ago. Um, but then 
I rewatched it when Tyler got a little older. I rewatched it with him. Actually, I rewatched it with my nephews, specifically my nephew Anthony. Him and I got it. We were into it the first run. Mm. Then I rewatched all the seasons with Tyler, and Tyler got into it. Then Alyssa got into it. So it's like I've had those memories with not only my nephew, but Tyler and Alyssa. Like I've relived friends so many times that it's so nostalgic in so many ways. Yeah. Um, you know, like Tyler and I had like this tradition where we would watch all the Friends Thanksgiving episodes on Thanksgiving. And mm-hmm. we usually would do stuff like that. Yeah. So um, it's nostalgic. Yeah, I liked it. It was cool. And it was like perfect because it wasn't too much. It was quick. You know, you go through it, you see the little scenes, you take some yeah. pictures and you're done. Like I, I couldn't do quicker. I, I mean, couldn't I couldn't wait in line and do something like that in a huge crowd or like the first time around it went like it would like sell out and like be crowded. Oh really? That's why they had like all those Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like things for the line. It was empty. And it was nice because you could get through it really quickly. You could take pictures really quickly mm-hmm. and then you're done. You know, it doesn't sound like something you want to do for hours, but it is fun. I would say it's definitely something fun you could do. Um, it tours around. So right now it's in San Francisco and I think it's there for a little bit longer. Um, Crazy. It's in the old H&M building downtown. I did not. Re- it's so funny because I did not realize we were in the H&M building like, until minute, you pointed the H&M it out. Building here? I looked at it. Well, this is it. That's so funny. Because mm-hmm. we've like, been there so many times. I know, I know. Yeah, and it's in a nice part of San Francisco. You can go shopping, go eat. Like, it's mm-hmm. in a good spot. Yeah, Powell Street, right, right by where mm-hmm. the cable cars are at. You, you could take Bart. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll put it up for those of you who are watching this on YouTube. You will see us at the Friends Experience because I'll put that little thing up. Did you see the? Did you see that video I did? Yeah, it was cool. It was cute, huh? Yeah. I thought that was it's funny. Cool um, we went with your brother who's visiting with his wife, Awilda, from... San Diego, mm-hmm. and um, there's not that many people I can nerd out with some stuff like that, but like Awilda will nerd out on certain things like that with yeah. me, and you know how different people, it's like something is good for, like I could take, I could go to Awilda with, you know, something like that, or like yeah. Bravo, like we were talking about BravoCon, yes. Bravo-related shows, mm-hmm. like there's not that many people that can nerd out with me on like Bravo stuff. I love Bravo shows. Yeah. And I'm a I'm a Bravo nerd. I want to go to BravoCon. I was watching BravoCon on TV earlier, and I'm like, yes, I'm going. I hope they move it to LA because I don't, really don't want to go all the way to New York for it. But I really want to go. I really want to go. Um, it's just something that I would thoroughly enjoy because I've watched Housewives since they began, and I watch every franchise. I think yeah. every single one. Were there the Kardashians weren't on Bravo? Were they? No, they were E. Totally different. But some of the other Bravo shows are like Below Deck, which I watch a little bit of. Um, That's a kind of cool show. You learn yeah. a lot about like, you know, the, the chartered uh, boat rides and all that. Because we chartered a ride, but we just went for the day. Yeah, like that's like a dream vacation. To me, that's like a bucket list to do a yacht vacation. Where Not maybe where you're on the whole vacation, but like say you're on a trip to Greece or something. Mm-hmm. And then you take like a mini trip, like a two night or even a one night excursion on a yacht and you go and link up with other yachts yes that'd be fun and then like there's part they, they do that in like croatia they do that in miami too there's a known like yacht party mm-hmm. where you like yacht you tie off with other yachts and you yacht hop it's in it's not in miami it's off the coast of miami though i think it's like yeah, a, yeah it's a, not in miami yes um, you're correct what is it called Bolimi? Bo- it, it pushes into something the with the b 
Not Belize. Belize, isn't it? I don't know. I just know it's like near Miami. Bimini. <clears throat> I think it's Bimini. Bimini. I think, I think it's Bimini. Right. I'm not sure. But I think it's something like that's one of those little play and then yeah, so they do that in Miami also, but I think it's popular, like super popular in Croatia. There is a yeah. known thing, a known time a year. I wouldn't want to do that one though. I think cuz it's probably too crazy and too young. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do like I you know what's weird? I've realized as I've gotten older, I enjoy scenery and nature and like just being in a cool environment. I don't need it to be like wild. I feel you. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I like enjoy like, you know, like a cabin in the woods, just like being amongst tons of tall trees and having coffee and you could hear the birds and you know, they're like the animals or like being near the ocean mm-hmm. or, you we know, talk about that waking up to a bop and bopping your porch and seeing the ocean, having coffee. Yeah. Little, little stuff like that. I think we could do that in San Diego. Just little houses along the beach. Yeah. Remember we walked and mm-hmm. then we saw like the little, the little like rentals like on the beach. Yeah. Doesn't even, I don't want anything like big or fancy, like little, like cabinish, like, like almost where you have to bundle up. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I, I'm that that's more attractive to me than like renting like this glorious, humongous beach house or something like that. Like I as long as it's like you could see the water and, you know, it's almost, yeah, like cabinish. That would be cool. Yeah. But I feel like I've gotten more like, I don't know. I feel like that's more enticing to me now mm-hmm. is scenery. We, we've and evolved. Ambiance. We've grown up. Before we're in nightclub hopping, pool parties, remember? Wilding the hell out. Just now I can, I, and that, in terms of that stuff, I can live vicariously through Alyssa. Like she's in San Diego right now, probably having a good old time, mm-hmm. probably going to come home hungover, yeah. tired, need a vacation from her vacation. Yep. I do not miss that. I do not miss mm. needing a vacation from my vacation. You're all burned out the whole week. Oh my God. It's you just awful. Like a zombie, like. It's like you can't, it's like your body's trying to catch up on sleep and rest. But really, it's your liver, you taxed your energy system with all that alcohol. That's what's going on. Because your body cannot produce, your liver can't produce energy while you are metabolizing alcohol. Alcohol is literally its own macronutrient and it, it, all other processes kind of stop and your body has to detox. You literally detox. When you're hungover, that's detoxing. People don't realize that. Like if you drink way too much to the point where you feel like crap and you're shit, you have the shakes, the That's shakes right. is withdrawals. Yes. People don't realize like, like you are literally withdrawing from alcohol. And speaking of withdrawals, the friends experience had me um, looking up friends stuff after I always tend to do that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I found the interview that Matthew Perry recently did with um, Diane Sawyer. He mm-hmm. just came out with a book. I actually want to get it. I actually, I want to get the Kindle. I really want to get the Kindle so I could just, ooh, I could download that book real quick and read it right now. Um, but he wrote a book about his addictions. Man, he had a battle, like a 30-year battle with addiction. And it started with alcohol. He said 30 years? Yeah. That's a so he was, battle. yeah, basically Damn. went from the time he took his first drink, he's an alcoholic and at the age of uh, 14, I think he said. Dude, how did he become so successful? 
I don't know how he, you know, he was the definition of a functioning alcoholic, but he never actually, he said he, one rule he had for himself is he never drank or abused drugs on set, but he was often hungover, withdrawing on set. Damn. And, um. None of his ever showed, like any of the episodes. Oh, they showed kind of clips and he's, he, he said you could easily see what he was struggling with each season based on what he looked like. So when he wow. was struggling with alcohol, he was overweight and puffy. Mm-hmm. And when he was struggling with pills, he was very skinny. Yes. So he um he struggled with alcohol. And then this was interesting. When he was filming Fool's Rush In, which is one of my favorite movies. I love that movie, Fool's Rush In with Salma Hayek. He actually, his dad is in that movie with him. He plays his dad in the movie. But um, I didn't know that. He was in a scene in that movie, or I think when they were taking a break, he was jet skiing and hurt himself, and they gave him a Vicodin for pain and he described it as it was his very first vicodin ever and he said it felt like warm honey filling his veins like that's how glorious it felt and he had like this idea he had already been struggling with alcohol he was not a drug addict he was struggling with alcoholism and when he took that he's like oh this is this is great i can just get a prescription and not drink I'll just take this instead. And he felt like Switch it was, vices, huh? he felt like that was like a solution for his alcoholism. And little did he know it was a thousand times worse. Yeah, And bad. he had a prescription. That first prescription he had was for 40 pills. And he went down a horrible, horrible pill addiction. He got up to the point where he was taking 55 Vicodins a day. Damn. You know what the crazy thing was? Was um, Diane Sawyer asked him, "How did you get your, how did you get your Vicodin? That's a lot of pills per day." He goes, "I had a ton of prescriptions. I would complain about headaches and stuff all the time." He said, "But I also, as Matthew Perry, a celebrity, would go to open houses mm-hmm. and raid people's medicine cabinets at open houses. Can you believe that? that happens a lot, actually. People do that. I've heard that." That is it's funny you crazy. Told me, but I've heard that people will do that. They'll go in people's medicine cabinets, cabinets, and just snatch your prescriptions. I thought that was insane. Oh my gosh! So yeah, he had a horrible addiction. That's bad. Poor guy. You know, pills are—they get that mind, man. They wrap your mind and they get a hold of it, and it's like you're stuck. I know the feeling. You know what's interesting is he almost died a few years ago, <clears throat> like five years ago, maybe five, five, six years ago, and it wasn't from an overdose. He almost died because he was taking so many pills. And I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but pain pills slow your digestion. So if you've ever had a surgery and you've had to take pain pills, you get constipated. Yep. It slows your digestion if you take it as prescribed. So can you imagine taking 50 pills a day, what that's going to do to your digestion? You're not going to be able to poop. It's exactly what happened. You know what happened? His colon ruptured. Oh, wow. His colon ruptured and he almost died he he was in a coma for 14 days and in a hospital for five months and he still is you know has issues from it and is um he had stroke i think a stroke or something like that um he has like alive man god i don't know he's resilient yeah and he said that um the minute that you you know that there's a problem 
is for him is like if he says I'm cured, like I'm cured, like I'm he- I'm I'm cured of my addiction, mm-hmm. then you better watch him because that's a problem. You're never cured. He says so if someone says I'm cured of addiction, they are at risk of relapsing. Always scary. Because you, you cannot one pill or one drink away yeah. from falling apart. Yeah. I have friends like that. It's sad because even though I was addicted, you know, to Xanax, I had my addiction. Yeah. I was able to get, you know, over it. I don't crave it. Thank goodness it's not like, I, it's not one of those things where you, I crave it. You know what I mean? Like some drugs. Right. Well, I think Xanax is different in that way. You become less, it's not as chemically dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, when he was kicking his pill addiction, pain pill addiction, he was still taking Xanax for for some time. Wow. Um, so he was Vicodin's and Xanax. Yeah, but his his issue was really pain pills. So Norco's. Norco's. Which Xanax isn't a Norco. No, it's not a Norco. Um. But, yeah, like, it's crazy. Like, one drink, one sip of some anything, one anything, and he is at risk. I have have a few friends like that. Two friends, actually. Same thing. They cannot have one drink socially. Yeah. They'll go down bad. That's just crazy. They know that about themselves. And I I can have a drink or two, and I'm okay. Yeah, well, you never had an issue with alcohol. And I don't know, like... No. And I don't feel like... I'm not an addiction specialist or... Or whatever. Neither am I. But your situation was different. It was like a short-term addiction. Yeah. I don't know. It's very... Yeah. And I don't want to be naive to it. I, yeah. You have to be careful. You, you do have the... It wasn't the ten- years long. No. no, it was like a very short-term quick. addiction. And it was... It involved just Vicodin. Or not Vicodin. Xanax. Xanax. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Your, I felt like yours was in a different scenario. It was a combination of some mental battles at the same time, I think. Yes. It was um, a recipe for disaster. Yeah. I don't know. But it's scary. You have to be careful. The moral of the story, you guys stay away from pills. Don't, don't let no one even give you one or have a headache. Here, take this. No, don't. That could destroy your life. Next thing you know, you love it too much. It takes one pill to mm-hmm. addict you. You don't know how your brain's going to react. That's what's scary. These doctors prescribe these pills. And it's legal. They're legal drug dealers, but they don't know what it's going to do to you. They can't. No one knows. You don't know your brain chemistry inside. We're all built different. You know, and, and sometimes, you, like, I had a, there was a situation where Alyssa, when she was 16, I think, she fell and had an injury. injury. She was an acrobat and fell and had a pretty serious injury. And we, Robert and I were in the hospital with her, and they wrote her a prescription for Percocet. And I looked at it and I'm like, oh, she's not taking this. I'm sorry. I remember you said no, no. We haven't even figured out like what she's, what her pain is going to be like after this. Like, how do you know she's going to need this? Yes. Like you're just, you're prescribing a 16 year old Percocet. Like, and and it, 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 when I think about the decision we made that day to say, no, she's not going to take this. Yes. Smart decision. That was because shortly thereafter, Robert's dad passed away. And she went through a really difficult time mentally. Can you imagine if she had been on pain medication and, and you know, oh. it just, we made like a decision in that moment that was potentially like, you know, and I don't know, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but sometimes you think like those sliding doors, like that was, I was just like, you're giving her Percocet? Are you crazy? I know. Shame on you, doctor. She's 16. Like, you yeah, like what's wrong with you? Like, see, they just want to, sh- sh- why don't we see if like Advil's enough first? Yes. It is. You know, she ended up taking, getting a muscle relaxer and that was sufficient. And she did have pain, but she dealt with the pain without having like 
I don't know, a legal drug description these pills, prescription. These pills are too strong, man, especially for young kids. You should never be giving a minor anything that strong. You're gonna you're setting them up for disaster to yeah. ruin their life. Yeah, that's scary. It is. It's it's scary. So be aware of parents out there. When you take your kids to the doctors for injuries, broken bones, anything, make sure don't let them prescribe them strong stuff because it'll get them. Trust me. It'll it's get crazy because Matthew Perry was saying at one point he had he was on in the number one movie. And he was on the number one sitcom at the same time, and he was still, he he had it. He had everything: money, fame, great family. He had a great great family. They divorced. His parents divorced young, but very great. He had a great relationship with both of his parents, both of their, you know, all his siblings. Great family, and he s- still suffered. Yep, probably wasn't so, even happy either. Was just doing his job. Probably it's so sad because I think of all those years that I laughed with him and watching and he was struggling so much but he said and i just this made my heart happy because she's always been my girl crush i love her you know this jennifer aniston Mm -hmm. she's like my absolute all-time favorite actress and the way he said that she was there for him just like warmed my heart like because i feel like she's just like a really good person good person yeah like a really just co-workers like i'm checking in on my guy make sure he's okay you know like that's important people do that like if you have anybody out there struggling you guys like my wife's a chicken on them. They need that. They need that support. Yeah. If I didn't have a support system, I probably wouldn't be on this podcast talking to you guys right now, to be honest. Yeah. I was in a bad place mentally. Yeah. So, you know, tap in with your people, man. Check in with He them. talked about, because, you know, he was, his addiction was long. And it's not like it was, a, it's not, addiction's not linear. You know, he went, he said he detoxed 65 times. Insane. 65 times he went through a detox he said detox is the worst thing it he described it it's terrible exactly what we went through with you yes. so i know oh my goodness he dude. said it's six to seven days of the worst you want to come out of your skin you want to rip your skin off he said you're just like shakes and you just your night, mind night is all over the, the place terrors, sweats yes. yeah night terrors night sweats your digestion is off. Like he said, it's a nightmare. He goes, but yet I went through that. And then I knew that with one pill, no, Phoebe, Phoebe, with one pill, I would, that would set me back to where I'd have to detox again, but I would do it again and again and again. He goes, it was, it was not terrible enough to deter me, which is so frustrating. It was stronger. Yeah. It had a hold on him. And he would yeah. be like, shit, here I go again. Uh-uh. I don't want to go down that road again, man. That's you scary. know what the sad thing was? Scary. He got to so many pills that he would take the pills just to prov- so that he wouldn't have. He would take the pills not really to get high at times. It was so that he wouldn't get the withdrawals because mm-hmm. you would if he wouldn't take enough, he would start to feel the withdrawal symptoms. Yes. And he wouldn't even it's like you don't even get the high anymore. You're just chasing the. You're chasing the high, but you never get it. No, you don't. Terrible. He, he, uh, he never tried to commit suicide, huh? I don't know. I didn't really, I haven't watched, read the Poor book guy. or he didn't talk about it. People can't take the pain anymore. At some point, you're just, you're, you're, you're defeated, you know? You don't, he know would. you don't think you're going to get over this at all. You feel trapped. And the only other solution is to off yourself. That's not saying that's the only solution, but in, in their heads, in our heads, that's what we think. It's not the best solution, but you, you feel trapped. You feel like you're in this prison in your own mind and you can't get out of it because you're addicted. To these pills are potent, dangerous. It's scary. It's sad. It is scary. It's, it's, I don't know, terrible. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm going to read his book. 
I'm going to put it up here on the screen, like pop it up. But um, I definitely want to read it because it sounds interesting and it's kind of a lot of B- BTS from those Friends days and stuff. And so I wonder if a lot of other Friends, one, if any of the other cast members wrote a book. I don't even know. But now I'm, now I'm interested. It's kind of like whenever I watch a show then or get into something like I went to the Friends experience. So then I was down a Friends rabbit hole or when I watched Dahmer, I was down a Dahmer rabbit hole. I always, Dahmer. I always tend to do that. But speaking of addiction, it's a good transition for what I do want to talk about um, is the the obsession with sugar mm-hmm. and like people, actually people compare sugar addiction to drug addiction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after like hearing the stuff with Matthew Perry and stuff, I think that's insulting, it is insulting. to Don't somebody who's going through, who went through like a legitimate yes. pr- prescription pill addiction or drug compare. addiction, heroin addiction. It's not the same. Or food. Don't, don't do it. It's not the same. Um, But it's just that I feel like sugar is so vilified. And I was reading. I I spent some time, spent a couple hours actually, reading through studies. And I was reading through different studies to see like if it supported that um, sugar is responsible for obesity and things like that. And the overwhelming conclusion to the studies to the studies that i was reading and Mm -hmm. looking into was that when calories and protein are equated amongst groups sugar had no impact on weight gain when calories and protein are equated in calorie and they're monitored where there was issues is when calories are not monitored and the consensus is basically you know, if something is more delicious and sugar is tends to be in highly palatable foods that also are high in fat, high in carbs, high in everything, um, you tend to want to eat more. You eat beyond satiety because it's so delicious it's and then you impulse control. Yeah. But when calories and protein are equated and controlled between test groups, mm-hmm. sugar did not lead to weight gain. So it it is not Respond. There's so many people out there that try to say that sugar, irregardless of calories, will cause weight gain. And the the truth is, is not not this is a healthy thing. But if I had my, if I ate entire, you know, a diet made in high high in sugar, mm-hmm. but my calories were controlled, I wouldn't gain weight. And that's the facts. And I don't know why. And and there's a new, there is this new craze I bet out. People still won't believe that, though. I know, but read, like, read, read beyond no, the headlines. Read. They spew stuff. They don't read. That's a problem. Is it, they scroll fast, ADD. They don't, they don't pay attention, and they start spewing things like they're a professional, like they have all the answers. And That's the, the funny thing, thing is, the if I believed that, it's not like I don't have anything to gain from saying that. Because if I skin in the game, no, I have nothing to gain. I'm not selling a product that has anything to do. Like I can do set up someone's diet any way that I want, whatever fad that's out there, I can set up that diet. You know what I mean? Whatever they want to do, I can set it up that way. You know, whatever they're going to be consistent with. It's not that. So I don't have anything to gain from my position, Mm -hmm. but the, the companies that do have something to gain are the ones that like really like push it but there's this new craze that is now people testing their blood sugar all the time 
like literally attaching those continuous glucose monitors where everything they eat, they can see what their blood sugar does. Okay. There's no studies to support that a healthy person should be doing that. I mean, honestly, it's just going to lend itself to some disordered behaviors. That's weird. People do too much, man. I don't know why. They, they get these, these trends. They get these things in their head and they start doing what everybody else is doing. It's just dumb sometimes. Well, look, the companies that are selling these monitors have a lot to gain. There you go. That's There you go. That's There's the end game right there. So the people that are putting out the content that's convincing you to do this and like the fear mongering around food is crazy because they're they're like, oh, you think this is healthy? Look what this does to your blood sugar and look what this does to your blood sugar. And now it's like all of a sudden you have this list that keeps growing and growing and growing of things that you feel like you can't eat. And and honestly, a lot of times these things are tested by themselves when we're we're actually designed our the way our body works, we're designed to eat a combination of macronutrients because it balances each other out. Yes. You know, like when you eat something that's high in carbohydrates, but you accompany it with fats and protein, it balances your blood sugar out naturally. So if you, you know, if you drink like, you know, a sugary soda, you're going to have a blood sugar spike, of course. Of course. If, unless you, you know, match it with something that, you know, is high in protein or something like that. But I'm not saying go out there and drink a high sugary drinks. I think, you know, I actually am a fan of not drinking your calories because they don't help with satiety and then it's very easy to overeat but again it all boils down to the fact that calories it's the overconsumption of calories that's going to lead to the weight gain not the soda in and of itself yes because if you account for the 150 calorie can of soda in your macros and you still hit your protein goal and your calorie intake limit Mm -hmm. you'll be fine Unless you have a health reason not to drink it, if you want to make it work, you can. Now, disclaimer, you're not telling them to go out and drink sodas. So no, I'm think, oh, not. You're, you're giving bad advice. No, you're I, to drink sodas. I'm saying that if you wanted to drink one once in a while and account for it in your intake, you could get away with it. Yes, yep. you absolutely could. If that's your vice, if that's your love, and you don't want to give it up, you and you want to make it happen... Make it happen. You know, when you give someone the control, actually what I found in coaching my clients, even myself, to be honest, um, I've learned a lot of what I do, it's human behaviors that impact most everything. It's habits, lifestyle, behaviors is what really impacts whether someone gets results or not. So if you have a client or yourself and you restrict and want to live like this perfect macro life six days a week, and then you give yourself one free-for-all day. That one free-for-all day can be pretty intense. Yeah. It could be, it, it's what I find that it's actually better to give someone the ability to have whatever they want any day of the week as long as they make it work within their macros. Because then... People are actually, you think about your macros and your calories as like a budget. Then people are less likely to waste money unless it's worth it. Yep. Right? So when you have to fit it into a budget, Mm -hmm. you will be like, shoot, this little tiny ice cream is 450 calories. I rather have 
this. Mm-hmm. And you start making better decisions for yourself because you have to fit it into your budget. Yes. If you have a free for all day and you have it's you do not have a budget on that day, you're going to do way more damage than if you can eat the quote unquote bad foods, you know, we shouldn't really label foods that way, but people do. Yes, they do. If you can eat the bad foods every day, you're going to eat less of those because you're going to start to learn how you're going to negotiate with yourself like, hmm, this isn't worth it or this is worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, when I pick my ice cream treat, I don't just, I allow a treat every day. I always do. But I don't just have anything. I'm not, I am going to be less likely to pick a donut that's 450 calories when it's super easy to eat, gone in 60 seconds, literally. Gone in 60 seconds. And it's 450 calories when I could have a 200 calorie ice cream bar that takes me longer to eat and it's delicious also. So you're making, you're kind of negotiating, you're making better decisions. Yeah, true. Or the protein ice cream you make is good too. Yeah, exactly. No, but I'm talking about like anything goes, not like even like a, I don't consider that my treat. My treat is something that would have, I would have in back in the day only allowed on a cheat day. And now, you know, my cheat day, yeah, I eat more. It's the only difference for me is I eat more calories on that day because I, I, I budget for the more calories. It's not a free for all. Yeah. It's not a free for all. It's different. And you don't have the desire to have a free-for-all when you can eat anything any day of the week. Mm-hmm. You can make it happen. You know what I mean? Remember that time that we went to Toca Madera on a, because we hadn't had a cheat day in like three weeks and we're we- keto. Oh my oh, God. It was terrible. It was the absolute- it's, it's, like, it's like we were let out of food prison that day. We went bananas. That was a great learning much. experience <clears throat> because we were not allowed a cheat day for three weeks where we had to be 100% on point. For three weeks, we had never done that, ever. And we traveled outside the country. And when we finally had the shackles removed, remember we, we ate donuts, pizza. I, I mean, I can't even, we ate so much food. And we I ate felt it late like, in the afternoon after a pool party. And then we tried to go to dinner and we felt disgusted. Like I we, felt like I was going to throw up in my plate before they even brought our entrees out. But I still felt like I need, you know, what's funny that I remember about that night, even though we felt that way, we got back to the hotel room and I remember waking up and hearing you in the donut box. <laughs> so you woke up a couple hours later and still ate donuts. It was just insane. Damn, we were, yeah, we were, and I, and it was a learning experience. And I thought that's not a, that's not a good behavior. No. That is not conducive to a healthy relationship with food. Nope. You should not feel that way. That you are needing to, like, it's your last meal. I know. You know, that was just, like, all bad. And I've never done that again since. I've only, only, even at the, the less, the least amount of restrictions I have on myself, and even that I put on my clients, the better their results are long-term. Yes. That I have noticed. Because it's more behavior-related this whole weight loss thing more behavior related it's more about lifestyle and behaviors mm-hmm. and and feelings about food than it is about keto low carb carnivore intermittent fasting all the things doesn't matter because i've seen people vegans vegetarians call it what you want still still big can't lose weight and i'm like they're supposed to be on the so-called healthy diets 
but I know what it is. They're overeating. Well, a, lot of that, a lot of those diets are heavy in carbs. So my thing is, what I hear a lot is um, someone will come to me and they'll say, I'm doing everything right. I am tracking macros. I am doing that, but I'm not losing weight. And, and I have some things to talk about regarding that, what it, what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody says to me, I can't, you know, I, I'm doing everything right and I can't lose weight. It's my hormones. The hormones. Um, they want to blame hormones. Hormones Always. is so broad, you guys. It is so broad. We have tons of hormones. And hormones do not cause weight gain independent of consuming a calorie surplus. Period. End of story. Thermodynamics. Scientific fact. I got a question, babe. Is that a, like a go-to generic answer for women making excuses? Because men, we never say, oh, it's my hormones. I can't gain muscle or lose weight. No, but a lot of it is because they're fed a bunch of marketing bullcrap on companies that want to sell them supplements and regimens and expensive processes and mm. monitors and things that are selling them, you know, a bowl of crap in order to lose weight. And so they buy into it and believe it. And it makes them feel better when they can say, it's not me. I was doing everything right. It's not my fault. Who's the one doing this? Well, I'm going to tell you what leads to that issue, or I'm doing everything right. I'm going to describe that person. You know, the problem is this person that thinks they're doing everything right, Mm -hmm. they're fixated on the scale and fluctuations on the scale. They live and die by the scale. I want to know when did someone determine that a scale determines how much fat we have on our body like that number that moves around day in and day out minute in minute out it's not measuring the fat no nothing it's water weight man it's there's so many things on our body i could take off my fake nails and step on the scale and weigh a tiny bit less because my nails weigh something you know i could take out my hair extensions my breast implants and weigh but yay i lost weight my, I just took out my hair extensions. They actually weigh something. And now, but people actually will be like, oh, hold on. Like, you know, and I, and I put a thing up, a, a, a video on Instagram that's poking fun at it, saying, like, cool. I get mad at myself when I poop and I step on the scale and it doesn't go down. Why do we get excited when the scale goes down after we poop? And I'm not saying that I am not one of those people. I'm just saying it's asinine, really. Because I'm just getting excited because I weigh less because I have no less poop in my body. Less excess junk. In but it your body doesn't mean waste fat. No. So why get fat. excited? We we are so fixated on that freaking scale, and it's sad. But you have to remind yourself. And to be honest, you guys, I'm gonna. You know what all starts at, babe? Let me to cut you off. You know what all starts out with that fixation with the scale at the doctor's office? How tall are you? Get on the scale. For since we're little. So people get fixated on the scale. And the doctors, too, they're always worried about your weight. And it's good as a data point. Data point. But if you have an unhealthy relationship with it and it impacts your mood and... No. It's do it. and if it it will de- it could derail you. Then I recommend limiting weighing in. I mean, I... And I don't want to be like a hypocrite because I ask my clients to do check-ins and weigh in for data. But it's because I, u- I use it as data. But if they say to me, hey, it messes with me. Or if I determine that it's messing with them, be like, listen, let's not weigh in for a while. Mm -hmm. I can look at pictures, get a waist measurement, and determine kind of what's going on just based on that. Um, Your old coach did that. If it's going to mess with you. Yeah, he never never even ever, I never stepped on the scale for my coach when I was competing, never once. 
You never had me step on the scale. You never said, once. You just take your shirt off. Let me see how tell me. So that person that also thinks they're doing everything, they usually have that all or nothing mindset. Yeah. So they're not being consistent. They're either all in doing all the things for a short period of time or they're doing nothing. Mm. They're not being consistent. Consistency doesn't require perfection, but consistency is the only thing that's going to give you actual give you results. All or nothing mindset does not work. So if you are saying to yourself, well, I'm one of those people, I'm either all or nothing. Don't say that as a fact. Work on changing it because otherwise it's going to hinder you from ever having long-term results. Mm -hmm. And I was one of those people again, so I can speak on it. I used to be all or nothing. I was the person that would eat the entire bag of chips so that they wouldn't be there for tomorrow. Done that too. Thinking, oh, well, I'm just going to eat them all today so that today's the only bad day. That's a terrible mindset and that's what, why you're not getting results. Yep. So it's not your hormones, okay? Your another, hormones. another thing is you're not working out regularly. And if you're working out regularly, it's not with intention. You're just working out to check the box like, oh, I worked out. Worked out today, so I got it done. But was it like an effective workout? What you're workout? saying is they're going through the motions, basically. Yes. They're just, oh, I'll do a couple sets here, a couple sets there, maybe a little cardio, and I'm done. So that I can say, guess what? Driving to the gym, putting your shoes on, walking in, it's not enough. Nope. Having a personal training session with a personal trainer that all you do is talk the entire hour, not enough. Nope. You have to work out with intention. Mm-hmm. You have to have that mind muscle connection and think about what you're doing and think think about your muscles, think about what you what you're there for. Yes. What you're trying to do and you yep. have to do it with intention. Get in that zone, man. The other thing is also aside from working out, are you sedentary? That's a problem. We're too freaking sedentary as society. I mean my brother was just talking about that like him and his wife are going to go walk around San Francisco. I go People got away from there because as kids, we walked all over the place. Mm-hmm. We walked, walked, walked. And back then, I didn't count no macros or wash my kid because I was so physically active, like play basketball, walking over the city. I, I was a skinny kid. Yeah, so pound. like walk around more. Move your body. Yes. Like you got to move. Don't think you can just check the box, be like, well, I worked out today, check, and that's enough. You can literally walk yourself into being a healthy person. And if that's... That should be, don't even really even fixate necessarily on cardio. Just walk, walk, walk. step goals, Mm -hmm. just walk. Mm -hmm. Walk as often and as much as you can. You cannot walk too much. You can't because it's not taxing on the body. No, it's not. People make a big deal like, oh, you walked your dog three miles. Like three miles is nothing. You're just moving. do Do you know what humans have to do just to hunt every day? How many miles they have to walk to wherever they're gonna go hunt to kill and bring it back? There's tribes that still do that. They walk like damn near, if not walk, they run. I think it's a tribe, or not a tribe, some people in Mexico that do something like 50 miles a day or some crazy amount. I read it somewhere, I saw it somewhere. I don't know if this is Oaxacans or what, but they literally do marathons every day. I forgot what's the reason. But there is so crazy. many studies that show that people that walk a certain number of steps a day literally increase their lifespan by like five to 10 years. I've heard that too. Can you imagine... Being on your deathbed, you're 80, and someone walks in and says, actually, let me give you this ticket. You just, you, you walked a lot, so let me give you a ticket. You get to live 10 more years. How excited you would be. Like, yeah. yay, you'd be so yeah. happy, right? Exactly. Like, you got to remember that you got to move. Mm-hmm. 
you got to move your body. Most people, they're just not moving enough. And if you're not ready to work out yet or work out with intention, move your body first. Focus on walking first. Focus on setting a daily step goal and walking. And then start working out and work out with intention. You know, you do that on your lunch break? Walk? Walk. When I lost my 100 pounds, I walked. All I did, I never lifted a single solitary weight. Um, but I walked on my lunch and I walked to go get food and I walked, I, I walked the weight off. I literally walked the weight off. I walked every single day. Um, and it's all I knew how to do. I didn't know how to exercise back then. And I was way too intimidated to ever step foot in the gym. I always had my clients inclined on this, on the, um, treadmill for walking, my bigger clients. And then I'd have them always moving. Never just do one set and sit there for 60 seconds. 90, nah, we're moving, moving right along to the next thing. Just keep them moving at a good pace. Yeah, people underestimate the power of movement that's separate from exercise. That's a lot of hours. That's a lot of hours in the day. You know, you move a lot. You're, you are not a sedentary person. No, I like to move. You are on a phone call. You are walking the pacing up and down the hallway. You move a lot. I wish you tracked it. I would wonder. I wonder how many steps a day you you. I would guess that you walk average fifteen to twenty thousand steps a day. That's Plus what I'm I think. I'm moving on my feet too, and I'm kick, you know, hitting the bag and stuff, moving around. I don't stay in one place. Always moving. So another thing that people who are not successful in weight loss tend to do is they rely on machines, Fitbit, Apple Watch for determining how many calories they burn. Mm -hmm. And they base what they can eat off of that number. Mm. And you shouldn't do that. First Mm -hmm. of all, those numbers are highly inaccurate. And you shouldn't base your your, um, macros or your nutrition based off of that. It shouldn't be based off of the a number that you can like, oh, some people get fixated like, oh, I'm going to stay on this machine until I burn this many calories. It's not accurate. It is like a shot in the dark. So the, uh, the calories you burn on the machine. Yeah, it's not accurate. No, no. I have recently switched to the um, I mean, I, I still track it. It's a data point for me, but I don't adjust my macros or my eating based on what how much calories I burn. But I do have the um, Apple Watch now and I have the link to track my calories burned during my Orange Theory classes um, for the Apple Watch. It's made for the Apple Watch. I feel like it's way more accurate than their other monitors, I have to say. This one? Yeah, it's it's not yeah. as inflated. It sound, it's more realistic, I think. Mm. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is this is probably more closer to accuracy. But again, I still don't use that number to alter anything with my eating, with my nutrition. The other thing, someone that is not successful with weight loss, blaming it on all, all on hormones, they are they blame it on everything other than lifestyle and habits. They want to blame it on their hormones, yes. on the fact that they just had a baby or pregnancy or some sort of condition or menopause or something other than they don't wake up every they don't have a good night's sleep every day they don't have a good morning routine they don't work out regularly they're not moving their body they're not tracking their macros they're not attempting to eat healthy they're not attempting to eat protein they never blame it on that never they'll blame it on everything else everything else so that person if you find yourself if it sounds like you it's time to look in the mirror 
because that's why you're not successful. What do they say? Accountability. Look in the mirror. Look yeah. at yourself. Stop with the other BS. This is a big one, this next one, and I hear it all the time. A lot of times from my macro clients, people that contact me just to do their macros, they will say, I just don't like tracking macros or I don't want to, I just don't like doing it. I don't want to do it. I have to say like to be successful more quicker, you have to be willing to go through a period of self-monitoring Yeah. to at least have an idea. A baseline of some sort. Of your volume and what volume works. What volume causes weight gain? What volume causes you to maintain? What volume causes you to lose? You have to go through a period of doing that for a while so that you could really kind of like learn your volume. It will eventually become autopilot and a lot easier to gauge. But even then, sometimes you got to hop back on to tracking. Sometimes I find myself doing that. I don't I don't track and weigh meticulously anymore. I've gotten away from it, I have to say, over the past year. Um, I still do a meal plan. I still prep, but I don't track and weigh meticulously. I eyeball a lot and I gauge a lot. But I've been doing this for a long time. Long and even time. me, for the most part, that works well for me. But every once in a while, I'm like, mm, I've probably had maybe a stressful week or whatever. I'm, I'm starting to kind of like tip in the direction I don't like. So let me go back to tracking for a couple of weeks just to just to recalibrate. And so that's kind of like where I'm at. But I've kind of earned that That's the place. beauty though, right? Like you, do, you, know how to, uh, you know how to play the game now. Like you said, okay, let me, let me pull back. Let me go back mm-hmm. to track. And that way you're not guessing. It's so if powerful. To, if you try to do macros and you're trying to play the guessing game, you're going to fail. Good luck. You're going to fail. You're gonna, you're gonna, you over, we eat way more than we think we do. The calories out of quick. Yeah, you know, I did a demo for my clients and coaches chat was so eye-opening. That's I good. showed them what a tablespoon of peanut butter actually looks like. Versus what, uh, what people really Yeah, and then like. I showed them what a measure, a weighed out tablespoon looks like inside of a tablespoon. And then I showed them what two tablespoons of pe- peanut butter looks like inside of a tablespoon. You can fit and compact two, tablespoon, two tablespoons worth of peanut butter into a single tablespoon yep. and think you're eating only one tablespoon. That could add up to the tune of a thousand calories extra that you don't realize that you're eating a week. Yep. Like that. Quick. Like that. So just that one thing that was very eye-opening. You know? So... That if was, you're not, smart, you're doing that. yeah, Just if you're them. not willing, I'm going to start doing a lot more like yeah, live real time demos. Show them. Yeah, like look. But if you're not willing to accept that and willing to do, it's kind of like saying, like, I have a big savings goal. I want to buy a house and I want to save money, but I don't want to actually like save. Yeah. I don't want to actually like take away from what I'm doing and like put money aside and yes. like keep track of it. I don't want to actually do that. I just want the money to miraculously appear in my bank account. Yes. It's not going to happen. Nope. Sorry. It's not going to happen. You can pay all you want. Can you happen. do all of those gimmicky things to trick you into a calorie deficit? Yes, but it only works in the short term. Because like intermittent fasting, if you've never tried it, might it work in the short term? Yeah, because you will. It'll force you into a deficit because it's so hard to eat a lot in a short window. What will happen though? Your hunger hormones will adjust, and suddenly you can eat more in that window. 
And suddenly you'll find yourself trying to squeeze as much as you can in that window. Mm -hmm. Because outside of that, it's kind of like going back to having the cheat day. Yes. The cheat day will grow Uh bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Maybe it'll work at first. But if you're not monitoring, it'll grow bigger and bigger. Because then you're like, oh my God, I can't eat anything good for another six days. I'm I'm so full, but I'm going to shove another donut in my mouth. That's what happens. It works at first and then it doesn't. Yes. But macros will always work. They always. will always, always work. Now, when they don't work is when they're calculated wrong. If they're not working, you're either not measuring it out right, you're having those hefty tablespoons of peanut butter, or you just don't have the right set for you. People are honestly, often they'll say like, oh, my mac- macro tracking doesn't work for me. Macro tracking works. If it's not working for you, you're on the wrong set of macros. Yes. It Something. doesn't mean that it doesn't work for you. It just but means that you're not calculating against the right numbers. I'll, go, I'll come on and say they're, they're, they're BS and they're capping. They're not doing it at all. They're just saying that. That's another thing. People just say things. Like I said, it's another, another excuse that's in there. So they'll say that instead of, are they really doing that? Are they really tracking it? Yeah, it's like I always have to boil. I have to like drill down. Like, okay, are you you're tracking macros where they're not working? Now, now, I will say in terms of hormones, the, the biggest impactful hormone that does impact whether someone's macros will work or not is if someone unbeknownst to them and they're not on medication for it has hypothyroidism, Mm -hmm. that can have an impact on your basal metabolic rate by up to 25%. So somebody who say at rest burns 1500 calories at rest doing nothing. But if they have hypothyroidism, it could impact that number by 25%. So that's like 500 calories. Damn. So that could be, that's a big, that's your deficit right there. So that would explain why macro tracking isn't working for you. Now, if you're on medication, it negates that. It helps generate the hormone. The funny thing is, is people on hypothyroidism, if if they have hypothyroidism and they go on a diet that's like low carb or like keto, it actually makes it worse. Really? Yes, because the thyroid hormone thrives actually on carbohydrates. So it actually could even make it worse, which could explain why someone would struggle. Um, So not all diets are right for everybody. But that is when people blame weight on hormones, that is one that actually does have a tangible direct effect if you have it and it's and you don't know. So it is something that's important to get to get checked out if you think that could be you. Because then you can get on medication to help that. Otherwise, you have to drop your macros significantly or increase your activity significantly in order to adjust for that 25%. That can only be fixed through medication? No, you actually, you can also fix it through weight loss. Oh like lowering your body fat, eating ba- eating a balanced diet. There's other lifestyle medicine that can help you. A lot of times it's like what came first, the chicken or the egg. Some of the conditions that you have are actually caused by the weight gain. And it makes it harder to lose weight. But once you get the weight off, it corrects the condition. PCOS a lot of times, hypothyroidism, type 2 diabetes, things like that, yeah. right? That's what I got to watch out for. So um, some other things, drinking alcohol too often, that can significantly impact your results for yep. lots of reasons. It affects your sleep. It affects your energy. It affects your body's, you know, your body is, again, not in producing energy and all of that because it's 
detoxing. And if you're doing that a lot, it impacts it impacts you and it's going to impact you're going to end up burning less calories consuming more calories yeah. your inhibitions are lowered right yes. you're more likely to con- make poor food choices of course when if you're hungover yeah you who, who wants to eat let's be honest who wants to eat broccoli and chicken or rice or something whatever plain that's on macros i'm not saying that's what you have to eat but i'm i'm just making an example you want to eat the burger the fries the greasy stuff that's what your body's craving it's weird how your body craves heavy stuff. I know. It does, though. It does. And See, in that moment, you don't care. You're no, like, yeah. you don't. So, you know, you're there goes 2,000 calories on a meal like that, mm-hmm. plus the calories from the alcohol consumption. Yep. You know, so if you're drinking too much, you're you're wondering why you're not getting results when you're one of those people that's drinking multiple times a week. That could be why. And eating late night afterwards, too, is bad. I'm guilty Also, that. people that are just not willing to plan. They're not, it's like, I don't understand. You want these grand results, but you're not willing to do the work for the results. You have to be willing to put in the work for anything worth achieving in life. You have to be willing to put in the work. You want that promotion at work? The boss is watching. He's watching to see if you're you're going to earn it. Yeah. So you have to kind of like put in the work. And if you're not willing to plan like, oh, that's too much work. And it's like, you want all the rewards with none of the work. It's, you're not going to get them. No. You got to be willing to put in the work. And don't be jealous of people that do put in the work and look good because you, you didn't do it. So don't be mad at them. You know, you what know I mean? yeah, exactly. Don't, don't be mad at them and don't have like, what do you call it? You know, they fit shame people. Haterade. Skinny shame. <laughs> don't, don't do that. That's not cool because why are you mad? Because you couldn't do it? That's on you. Yeah. Not on them. They, they, I, I applaud people I see fit in the gym because it's hard work, especially the eating part. It's hard work. It's hard work and it takes, like, I mean, we're going through all of the things right now that it takes, you know? The other thing, people that aren't successful, they ignore things like sleep, drinking water, um, stress management. Those things all have an impact on weight. Not, it's kind of like, it's not direct, but it impacts. A bad night's sleep, you're going to eat more the next day. You're going to move less right off the bat. 100%. You're going to be more sedentary. Mm -hmm. You know, water, drinking water, so, so important. So those people are ignoring things like that. Also, people, we talked about cortisol last week, Mm -hmm. but people ignoring stress. Yep. Stress management. You have to learn how to manage your stress because it will lead to making poor food choices, eating more, things like that. Yeah. Because you don't care. You're stressed out. You're not worried about eating good or what's good for you. You just want to eat. And other than like the the track being willing to self-monitor and track, the single biggest impact, I think, on people actually getting results is, again, it's a behavior. It has nothing to do with actual things you can do. It has to do with their expectations. Wanting it to happen too fast this, this game of life is a marathon it doesn't happen overnight it takes it's time the the need for instant gratification is the problem mm-hmm. you have to just know that what you need to do and do all of the things but kind of like put your head down and do all of the things for a long period of time before you lift your head up and expect your whole body to be look different like head down do the work and don't like look for change every two seconds. Not look, gonna happen. look forward. Pick a day that's six months 
in the future Mm -hmm. and then say, you know what, on that day, I'm going to, I'm going to measure how I've been doing. But until then, I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to do all the things I know. I'm going to show up as the person I want to be in six months every day now. And I'm going to show up as that person every day. And I'm not going to look for change every two seconds. I'm not going to step on the scale 52 times or after I go to the bathroom or, you know, when I take off my socks, I'm just going to do the thing. Look, I know that I need to work out. I know that I need to walk and make my step goal. I know I need to do some planning. I know I need to drink less alcohol, sleep better, manage my, I'm going to work on all of those things every week, every month until that date in the future. I'm going to add things to my list of goals to further like, you know, lay that next brick in my foundation. And I know I'm doing the right things, even if I can't see the impact of those things yet. Yes. Stop looking for it though, because it can be very deflating. Remember what you did for me? One day keto, every week you took progress pics and it was motivating because you showed me the, the results, just little changes. I would point wow. out the minute changes for you. But it's, you can see it in pictures every week. Yeah. We did it for, I don't know, eight weeks maybe. I don't remember how long we did oh, it Oh, we for. did it for a long time. I have tons. I could actually, I'll put some up for put on YouTube. Up, show, so you show I'll put and, them up on YouTube right here you, on the screen. For those of you having a hard time and trying to find motivation or something like that, use that. Take a, take a before. But so many times you would even say like, I don't really see anything. And I would show you, I'm like, look, look at the distance from your elbow to your waistline. See how that gap is big. Getting, like yeah. I look at I it with that. a trained eye, right? A lot of times we are our own worst we critic. we see each other. I mean, we see ourselves every day for the most part. Yeah. And it just breaks my heart sometimes because I feel like people, as soon as you start doing all the right things, you feel better. Yep. And sometimes it takes the outward appearance a little bit of time to catch up to how you feel on the inside. Yes. But because you're feeling healthier, better, more energetic, you know you're showing up for yourself. You look you expect to look in the mirror and see this drastic change and unfortunately they, those way. two don't align for a while. So rather than feel let yourself get deflated or discouraged, don't don't try to look for change so often. Give yourself time in between. Um, Master the game that you're doing right now. Yeah, just know, like, look, I know that I'm doing the right things. Just constantly remind yourself, I know I'm doing what I need to do to get the results, but readjust your expectations because that's the single, I think, biggest problem with that I encounter with clients is they expect very rapid results. Like, I can't tell you how many times someone has said to me like, oh gosh, like I'm just, I'm doing the work and I just not, you know, I'm not really getting results. And then I'll, and then I'll really like dig in like, okay, well, how long have you been, you know, on the program or whatever? It's like, oh, you know, it's been six weeks. I'm like, okay, well, let's take a look. So in six weeks, oh, you've lost, you've lost two pounds. Like, that's amazing. That's great. You've lost three pounds. You've lost two inches off your waist. You've, uh, I'm, I'm like, it's been six weeks. What do you expect to happen in six weeks? Sometimes. And if somebody is telling you that it can happen faster, they are lying to you and they are giving you false impressions of what can be done. And they're setting you up for yo-yo dieting or non-sustainable results. And it's, you know, 
Can you lose it fast? Yeah, you could do those gimmicky ass Hollywood fasting, juice fasting diets for a week or two, maybe whatever crazy, and you'll you'll drop some some weight. But like you Again, said, it'll yeah. come right back. Take out your hair extensions, your eyelash extensions, remove your breast implants. You can lose it pretty fast just by doing that. The minute you start eating back to your normal ways, it comes right back. So it's, it's, why are humans always looking for the magic answer? Sorry. Why are humans? What's wrong with people? Well, that's why I said that that's the single biggest thing is, the, is the readjusting your expectations. It's slow. Yes. I, I, I've, I feel like I need to talk about it all the time. I feel like a broken record. I feel like I talked about it this last week too, but this process is not fast. No. But if you, but, but guess what is fast? If you stop focusing on looking for change all the time, time goes by so freaking fast. It does. So if you're not always looking for change and you just focus on like milestones that'll speed the time up, like, oh my gosh, it's almost summer 2023 again. Like summer will be here before we know it. Quick. Focus on that. Focus on what your plans are for next summer. Focus on other things that are not related to your actual weight loss and just continue to do what you need to do. And that date will come here before you know it. And now you can look for progress. Now you can step on the scale and go, holy crap, look what I've done in the last 10 months. There you go. See, instead of waiting now, looking for, for something to happen, you make it happen. And when you have that first aha moment, sometimes that's all it takes. If you can do that one time, set that goal out far in advance, do the work, get there, yep. then you develop trust in the process. And now you're golden because you know what you're doing is working. Process. Now you're like, I got this. Yes. Like now I know. And you know what's dope about that? It's now you're in control of your own body. You took charge. The food, calories don't control you no more. You're yeah. in control. And you lose that fear of like, it's going to come back. Yes. Like, oh my gosh you know, it's going to come back. Like you kind of lose that fear because you truly know what you're doing and you know that what you're doing is working and you've made it a part of your life. Yes. It's not short-term fix. It's a long-term change. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful thing. You guys, it's a beautiful thing. It is. And a lot of people, I'm seeing a lot, of, especially women, a lot of women have turned their life around. Like they were chubby girls chubby women growing up and they said one day said you know what put my foot down now they're super fit their bodies are like not what you think like they look they, they made a change somewhere in their mind something clicked in their mind i'm not going to be trapped in this body i'm going to do something and it's never it. too late i had uh, someone actually posted on instagram a picture of this 75 year old lady oh wow she was 71 when she decided to make some lifestyle changes and start lifting weights and at 71 she completely transformed her body in four years it wasn't four months. It was four years. But I'm going to tell you, at 75, she looks 60. And what did we just say? Like, my father told my father. My brother told my father, because he's 75, walks on a walker. He's having back issues. And my, my brother always said, Dad, I told you, you need to exercise. And, and now, I'll go on YouTube, and I'll see 50, 60, 70-year-old guys. Rip muscle. Tell you, don't, don't let the media or don't let doctors fool you. You have to put in the work. You can build a strong body. We put it in our head like, oh, we're this age. So we're just going to throw in the towel and give up and let our vessel deteriorate. No, it's not the way. We're, we're, we're like, what I always tell you, we're like regressing. We're going backwards yeah. as humanity. Back in the day, we were stronger because we had to hunt. We had to use our bodies. Now, no one's really using their bodies. Every year, I want to be a, the uh, even better version of myself. Like, yes. I've really come True. to enjoy the feeling of feeling like a fit person and moving my body and being grateful 
for the things I can accomplish at this age. And so every year it's like I want to improve upon that. It's more for me about how I feel and how I built a strong vessel than it is about what I look like. And that's ha- not, and, and that's you're happy not, inside, right? Yes. With it, yourself. That, like, it used to be purely for vain reasons. I could care less. I remember. Truly. Yeah. And I would say that. I'd say, I don't care what I feel like. I just want to look good. Yeah. yeah. I'd be honest with you. But I've Different. evolved from that. Yes. And okay. now I want to feel good. And when I feel good, it, it just makes me happier. And you're stronger than ever you've ever been. Yeah. Right? Ever. Yeah. F- more fit than ever. These classes you're doing at Orange Theory are pushing to limits that you never thought you could do. Yeah. And I love it. I, I love you feeling love that. You hated it. You'd whine. I don't want to run. Running. What's running going to do? Oh, it's such me? a pain in the ass. I know. Never say never. That's all I have right. to say. Never say never. Because you never know. If you you got to try new things. You got to be willing to try new things because you might surprise yourself. There might be something out there that ignites a fire in you that's never been lit before and listen everybody has that beast inside of them i don't care who you are does not matter man or woman you got that beast inside of you if Unleash you've never it, felt it lit it like look for something to light the fire because yes, it's there it's i there. do believe that we all have that in us Trust i do because me. Uh, me of all people i would have bet money on it i'm like no never never i ne. i i mean i am a perfect example of never say never i swear to god Burpees, running there, do do? Those, those rows you do, all kinds of stuff. There's probably episodes of this podcast from the beginning where I say, I will never <laughs> enjoy running. Probably. When I'm, you go back. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So never say never because you might have to eat those words, guys. Okay, thank you so much. We'll see you on the next see one. Ya.